another episode of happy hour with ryan um i don't know where you guys are listening to this podcast from but it was extremely hot here in arkansas we hit triple digits um first time for the summer um it was blistering hot uh it was hotter than hades out there uh as most would say Uh, but we got through it cold front supposedly is coming through or may have already come through last night while we were sleeping so it's going to be a lot cooler this week in the 70s so we're going to hit up some Arkansas Travelers game that's our triple a minor league team here uh, in Little Rock we've got a great show uh, this week for you Michael Cripps uh, is on the show this week Little Rock native and can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say but some news and notes on the hype side for the pre-show here. So, Simone Biles. Wow, where do we begin? Um, I mean, if you don't know, if you don't know Simone Biles, I think many of you have. If you haven't, you probably tuned into the Olympics. Uh, she's a gymnast and probably one of the best in the world. But uh, recently, she pulled out of the Olympics due to her mental health. And that's something me and Michael talked about uh, on our uh, episode yesterday. Uh, Mental health is probably at the forefront of, um, you know, individuals having this type of condition or whatever you want to call it. As we know, a lot of athletes and individuals um, in the past year, um, outside of COVID, you know, top of the list, a lot of people have been going through this. It's no secret. Um, And, you know, for the most part, we should be, you know, going out, having fun, doing whatever uh, we do in our daily lives. But that's not with the case with these athletes. Um, I think the athletes are looked at as people as superhumans, invincible, um, and people really forget they're just like us. And for someone to just to say, oh, go out there and do it and, you know, not recognizing that some of these people actually have mental health problems, may have not had to actually deal with the pressure or some type of mental health uh, situation. Or they're just insensitive assholes, just being blunt. 
Aaron Rodgers, during his press conference, he applauded Simone Biles. Um, He even stated he had to get away for a little bit. Michael Jordan, probably one of the best of all time, um, he had to step away. And the list goes on and on and on. And I think people, you know, again, like I said, they just... They just are like, oh, she gave up on us or the U.S. or or something. And, you know, there's some things that I just feel as a country, you know, are just the worst at. Um, number one, we are probably the most hypocritical society on the planet. We're always throwing stones, um, you know, never really taking into account, you know, hey, what is this person really going through? Instead of asking hey, um, how can I help you versus, you know, we're always going to criticize somebody. I mean, I think it's well noted that some people on social media, and I feel like it's this generational sense of entitlement, uh, like these celebrities actually owe us something when they really don't. Um, So again, we just need to stay in our own lanes because if you're not actually concerned about them, I mean, <laughs> these people probably don't even care. I mean, to the to the extent that they do care what probably people think about them. But then again, I don't think they do. So it's, it's either, you know, support them and move forward or don't. I mean, just simple as that, you know, let them deal uh, with their issues, um, you know. And there's sometimes, uh, even Friday, dealing with some personal stuff. I just took off a day from work. Um, your mental health is really important. It really is. Um, I just don't know how any other way to say it, <clears throat> but it's just the way it is, people. Uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. So moving on to uh, the NBA, there was a blockbuster trade. Um, it's getting finalized. Russell Westbrook is finally landing in the city that he's from, uh, L.A., uh, yeah, he's going to be joining LeBron and AD as a Laker. And a lot of people wonder if it's actually going to work. Um, you know, it's on Russ to win a championship. I believe he wants to win one, with, you know, before he finishes playing. And supposedly these three had met up at LeBron James's house. And there had to been a discussion, you know, putting e- egos aside you know, working to achieve a goal of bringing back a championship to L.A. Now, once upon a time, if you guys remember, uh, in the year of 2004, summer 2004, um, actually 2003, sorry, um, Carl Malone and Gary Payton were brought to L.A. to win a title, and they actually did make it to the finals, but they were upset by Detroit Pistons. So, uh, it's going to be interesting NBA season to say the, the the least there. And a shout-out to our U.S. men's national soccer team in the gold CONCACAF uh, final. Uh, they defeat Mexico by a score of 1-0. to zero. And I know I checked at like the 104th minute, and they were still going at it. And I happened to check again several minutes later, and they had pulled off the win. So congratulations to the U.S. men's soccer team on that note, winning the gold cup. Before we get to our guest for this week, um, Scarlett Johansson, star of the Black Widow movie and the MCU franchise for the last 10 years is going to war with Disney. 
supposedly depriving her of the untold box office profits by offering Marvel um, the, the movie to its streaming service. Now, I know some people out there maybe were against Marvel joining Disney. Um, I was thinking, heck yeah, that's that's awesome. So basically part of her conversation is based on uh, box office receipts. And Disney had promised to make the picture initially available exclusively to movie theaters. Um, it made $80 million at the Plexus. Um, but $60 million on Disney+. Plus. Um, I mean, I've been extremely an advocate for uh, these movies being launched at the theaters. I love going to the movies and, you know, sitting down and having some popcorn and a drink or snack or whatever and just relaxing. Um, and I know COVID hit. So that, that took really away. And, uh, you know, I was, I was really sad because, you know, some of these movie theaters were possibly going to be shutting down. And I think the only thing, and, and I don't know, maybe it was a type of joint deal, but the only thing with Marvel, I, I would hope they would have tried to, you know, go ahead because it got delayed three or four times. And I wish they would have released it uh, back in May um, and it didn't come out. Uh, two months later till July 9th. So, uh, it had been delayed well over a year. It was supposed to come out um, last summer. and uh, But, uh, President Marvel, Kevin Feige, says he's backing up the actress, which he should. You know, uh, you know, back up your talent and, and your actors and actresses, you know. So, hopefully they can get that solved. Uh, I definitely would be... <laughs> you know, a little upset as well. I mean, you know, there's one thing you hear, uh, you know, in your contract and then go back on it and, and say something different or, oh, that's not how we perceived it to be. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting uh, as that uh, unfolds in the upcoming weeks. And also, we did get a release uh, upcoming date for the Marvel series Hawkeye. Uh, with Jeremy Renner, who uh, played Hawkeye for almost the last 10 years or so. Holly, uh, Haley Steinfeld, she's actually supposed to take over. Um, she may be in the Young Avengers coming up, uh, but she's going to take the mantle of Hawkeye. But uh, November 24th, so the uh, day before Thanksgiving, uh, we did get a release date on the Marvel Hawkeye series. It's pretty cool. Jeremy Renner actually... Uh, took Haley Steinfeld under his wing and just kind of uh, told her what to expect, kind of protecting her and all that, which is really good. It's good to have a mentor now in the movie industry field. So that I thought that was real cool because he was saying she was really fanning out over the uh, character, huge finger of the character. Um, so, yeah, so Marvel Hawkeye, like I said, um, finally got that date on that show coming up here in the fall. Miss Marvel, we don't have a date yet on that show. That should be coming up, but What If is going to drop here in another nine days. Um, so that's where different Marvel characters, a lot of these have reprised their roles. Basically, they're like swapping spots, um, you know, different roles and whatnot. Like, for example, T'Challa plays Black Panther in the Marvel Universe. 
He's actually gonna play in the role of Star Lord, which is he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy team. So it's gonna be really cool to see that, and it's kind of a type of animation uh, type of show. So it's gonna be really cool to see that. Well, guys, we're getting ready to bring on Michael Cripps, a graduate of Parkview and uh, University of Central Arkansas. Uh, great individual, one, one of our great friends. Uh, so glad he is back with us in Arkansas. He moved back um, when the pandemic hit. Um, he plays cello, very, very musically inclined. And he spent about five to six years in Hawaii. So he's going to be talking about that, which is very interesting. Um, he lived there uh, for that time. So he's going to go into... Um, what all he saw there, experienced, and it just sounded like really cool time there. So uh, without further ado, we'll take a quick commercial musical hype <laughs> uh, song break, and we'll be back with our guest for this week, Michael Cripps. scene my we're on with michael cripps today uh we're here in would you say Maumel? Um, this uh, is more it's mayflower technically okay so, mayflowers are addressed but we're just north of Maumel and just south of mayflower so we're kind of like right in the middle okay and they have just graciously um yes always have the finest of whiskeys um of course yeah and we had some Gusanos, which if you don't know, Chicago style deep dish pizza. It was so good. Yes, it was it was tremendous. Um, so yeah, we're glad to have you guys back. Uh, yeah. Michael and Billy are back in Little Rock with us. Um, and you guys were in Hawaii how long? We were in Hawaii just short of seven years. Okay, okay. And we'll kind of transition, I guess, back to that. But Man, you're probably like the third person, probably, or fourth from Parkview I've had on. And I always, 
don't know if you've ever been like out somewhere and like, oh, you like somebody I know. I get that so much. And then it's like, did you go to Parkview? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And like, I know like, okay, I know a lot of people from Parkview and I'm not yeah. from this way, but I feel like 18 years, you know, you like part of, you know, the community and everything. Of course. But, um, so kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the listeners. Like, I feel like I always know my, my guests, but <laughs> <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. Um, yeah. but let's see, let's see. I was, um, born and raised, um, mm-hmm. in Maumel. Um, so that's pretty much where my home was the whole time. And coming back here now, and, uh, <laughs> I was like full circle. It's you know? weird. Cause it's like, yeah. I, I literally am like maybe mm-hmm. five, 10 minutes from my home that I yeah. grew up in. Okay. Um, and I've actually seen it several times and stuff, which always gives you kind of a strange, weird yeah. feeling, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, I went to Little Rock schools the whole time, got mm-hmm. my education, um, at Booker and that's where I started all my music was at Booker okay. um, and then I went over to Horseman Junior mm-hmm. High mm-hmm. Uh, it was still Junior High at the time not before they went to middle schools and junior, all that junior stuff junior high <laughs> so someplace like Junior Junior High yeah. and, you know. and then yeah, uh, yeah. went to Parkview after that and graduated yeah. from UCA Go Bears um, uh, with a music claw, degree claw. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> claw Claw yeah Claw Claw Go Bears <laughs> Man, how was uh, home life? Uh, any siblings? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I have a sister. Okay. Um, she also went to Parkview, and mm-hmm. um, she um, got an appointment to West Point Military Academy, um, where she spent four years there, uh, graduated mm-hmm. with a um, engineering degree, mm-hmm. um, and then she went on and spent uh, time in the military, in the Army, um, okay. in the Air Defense Artillery, mm-hmm. um, and then... That was actually right when September 11th and the whole Iraq war was starting. Um, and so she um, ended up getting pregnant. And so she didn't get deployed or anything. Wow. She, could you just imagine if she would have during that time? It was crazy. It, we, it, we were nervous um, yeah. pretty much the whole time. But um, but thankfully, she didn't get deployed. She spent time behind a desk, which um, she actually ended up not really mm-hmm. uh, liking so much. Because, I mean, if you're in the military, you're, you're there to protect and you're there yeah. to serve your country. And mm-hmm. um, she didn't really feel like she was doing... Uh, the most that she could from behind a desk, but obviously yeah, she yeah. had she she was pregnant and she had a, a yeah. baby to keep healthy and stuff, you right, know. So, right. um, but after that, she um, yeah finished her stint with the military and um, got out, and then now mm-hmm. she uh, is working in Alabama for NASA. So that's awesome. And I remember we were talking about it a while back. My mom and I could have been an Alabama Christmas Tide fan. Yeah. She actually. An internship in Huntsville, and um, you know, had a had a bad fall, but yeah. So that's pretty cool. Have you been to Alabama um, many times? Many yeah, times. I was just yeah. there actually a month and a half ago. The okay. baby actually um, that she was uh, you know carrying at the time uh-huh. just graduated high school. So um, and now he's about to go to University of Tennessee in Knoxville and hopefully do nuclear engineering there. So. Dude, I feel so old. Like, yeah, you're saying, I know, because we're Seriously, I, I remember when he was born and I was yeah. at UCA and uh, yeah. I just remember being so happy and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's graduated and moving oh, on. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so what kind of brought you into the music career? Uh, and I know you said Booker T. Was that when? Oh, not Booker T. Booker oh, Arts. Booker Arts. Okay. Get it right. Be specific. <laughs> Got to get it right. In two schools Put some respect there. on it. Really close. Booker T. and Booker okay. Arts. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of brought you into the music? I know your dad. We'll get into that a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure. Uh, what brought you? I'm sure a little bit influenced with that. Oh, with absolutely. I okay. mean, he was. I mean, from when I was a young 
boy. I mean, I was going mm-hmm. to gigs with him. I was yeah. um, going to the afterthought with him when he would play uh, with the Art Porter Trio. Okay. Um, I mean, okay. he was. He would. I remember him taking me to uh, the Arkansas State Fair, and uh, you know, there's always a rodeo inside yes. uh, the yeah. Coliseum, and uh-huh. he was a part of the band who played and and oh, for the wow. rodeo. So I remember going to that every year. So pretty much from when I was a young young boy, I was uh-huh. always always around music you know i mean even at home he would sit there and you know play music at home and this is before i even knew how to play instruments you know yeah um and so this is why some of the reason why he, i was bussed from maumel all the way over close to the airport was because it was one of the wow. only string programs in the district okay. um and so uh at the time it was carwin pleasant uh, he was my mm-hmm. first string teacher um and i remember him looking at me and saying you know, you look like a cello player. And I was just like, uh, okay. You that's... dubbed that responsibility or that title. <laughs> Whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I started playing cello at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my dad started, uh, he said that um, I was, I guess, progressing quickly. Right. Um, and so he got me with um, a, a gentleman named uh, Rafael Leon. He, at the time, was the Arkansas Symphony's principal cellist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took cello lessons every single week from him from fifth grade all the way up to my senior year of high school um and so yeah i i played a lot of cello that was like my main instrument and still is my main instrument all going all the way through um and then i guess here and there along the way i picked up other instruments that my dad would bring home for me to play and Uh um i remember it branching out to being uh violin was one of my first ones that i did outside of cello Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to Horseman, I started uh, taking yeah. uh, from Danny Fletcher, He's, okay. um, and I started with trombone mm-hmm. uh, there in mm-hmm. seventh grade, and then he needed a baritone player, <laughs> so <laughs> my dad was like, put him on baritone, he'll learn it. So was that a hard transition from, not, not, not probably at all, musically I mean, inclined a little bit? Well, so. I think... I, I tell people a lot that, um, it, yeah, it sounds impressive whenever mm-hmm. you can play a lot of instruments and things, but um, in all the instruments have similarities. Mm-hmm. And so cello and violin, same. They have very, very similar um, similarities between the two instruments. The strings are similar. Uh, they're not exactly the same, but they're similar. The, mm-hmm. the way uh, your hand moves is similar. So if you're able gotcha. to bridge that gap and really... Um, kind of learn okay this is what I learned on cello will it work on violin mm-hmm. and then it does so then violin and viola are very similar so right. um, and similar with uh, band instruments trombone um, is a slide instrument um, baritone has the same mouthpiece as a trombone but use valves instead and oh, those valves wow. Uh, translate very easily to the slide positions on a trombone. Gotcha. So um, you're, I'm able to bridge that gap, and then um, hmm. and then the next year I started doing tuba, which is the exact same valve positions, mm-hmm. but it's just a bigger mouthpiece. So it's it's there's similarities between all the instruments, and once you kind of learn those similarities, you can easily start translating it over to that other instrument, and you can end up playing it. You know, so so kind of part of the same family, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's I mean, it's definitely they're all brass instruments. Those mm-hmm. are at least in stringed instruments. Yeah. Um, but there's even similarities between. Uh, trombone and flute. Mm-hmm. Um, the the mouth position instead of buzzing, it's almost identical when you play flute. Yeah. And so um, and then also flute, uh, as you pick up fingers on the flute, mm-hmm. um, the notes end up going higher in pitch. Similar to a stringed instrument, when you put fingers down, 
the the pitches start going up so it's you're hmm. easily able to translate that over so um all all of the instruments have similarities between them it's up to you to really kind of figure out what they are and to me that i found enjoyment out of that i i liked doing that you know that's yeah. what i was doing when all the other kids are you know going to basketball games and playing yeah. football and stuff yeah. i was I was learning other instruments, you know, so yeah. it was what different. Would, and what would you say, um, and I know, as we know, Bill Clinton became president in 92, 92 election. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, did anyone from Arkansas get invited? And did your dad at any point in time get to go, go play? Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who actually, no, inaugurations or anything like that. Big. I do know that my dad ended up playing... Uh, for him and with him at the afterthought, he would come in and play saxophone wow. and stuff with them. Um, but this was when he was governor. Uh, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, funny you mentioned that though. When uh-huh. I grew up in Maumelle, mm-hmm. um there was a family down the street. They were named the Leopolises. Um, okay. His dad um, mm-hmm. was best friends with Bill Clinton growing up in Hope, Arkansas. Yep. And so mm-hmm. when uh, Bill Clinton would come to town, they would always come over to his house and they would all have a big party and play. They loved Jam. playing poker yep. and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was interesting being that close to a president. And he was at that time a sitting president, too. And he would yep. come over. All the Secret Service were all over the street and stuff. It oh, was just, wow. it was uh, it was crazy for a little little Maumel town, you know? So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and he just being so influential, an integral part for Arkansas. And, you know, the national championship team, 94, wins 94, it. I mean, they're yeah. on the map and everything. Um, high school, how was that? for you I know people kind of you know that's kind of in a way you know most people say college you kind of find yourself how was high school for you per se was it Hmm. as far as like um, socially was there anything uh, because I per se was like friends with everybody I don't know as far as for you I'm sure you are too yeah I was I was similar I made Mm -hmm. um, I liked making friends I liked getting to know Mm -hmm. people I think that's where I really learned um, how to I guess get along with people and a lot of different type of people Mm -hmm. um, is the fact that Parkview just brought so many different walks of life and Mm -hmm. um, that school was such an accepting school Mm -hmm. um, and in my opinion it was at least is that um, nobody really didn't like other people we all got along we all enjoyed each other we all enjoyed each other's presence Um, and even when we had classes with people we didn't know we would still get to know them we would still you know appreciate them for who they were and so um i guess this is a reason why i was able to really come out of you know the closet uh, Mm -hmm. in in Mm -hmm. high school and Mm -hmm. i never had any bad issues from that at all yeah ever and i know here in little rock in fact at schools where people got bullied they got you know tormented every single day for being um somebody who's homosexual and yeah um, at Parkview, I never once experienced that. And then actually, on the contrary, it was completely accepting. And people would mm-hmm. come and hug me. And like even strangers that I barely knew mm-hmm. would come up and say, you know what, we're so proud of what you've done. And mm-hmm. we want you to know that we love you so much and we love you even more. And mm-hmm. um, this, you know, we don't worry about anybody picking on you because we're not going to let that happen yeah, and stuff great. like that. And that's, uh-huh. I mean, and I didn't have to worry about that because mm-hmm. it never happened. I mean... Because that, I mean, and that was kind of a time, and I don't know, maybe, I'm just thinking back reflecting, Ellen might have been, as far as on a national stage, but I'm thinking like locally, I don't think that was going on much not, that I can think of. Not yet, at least. I and I was, grew up in a small town, country town, but yeah. up here, that's probably true. You probably didn't have any problems. Like you said, people had your back. Yeah. 
you know, well, to that, the full extent. And I think also the teachers, they, they also had our back too. Mm-hmm. They wanted what was best for us and yeah. they did a lot of great things as far as ensuring mm-hmm. that, you know, um, hateful type of speech, hateful actions mm-hmm. were not mm-hmm. going to be tolerated yeah. and that you were going to, you were going to get really, really in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can vividly remember, uh, Jennifer Lusk. She was one of the best teachers I ever had in my life. She was my German teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would say at the beginning of every semester and say, you know, that type of speech is not going to be tolerated in my class. And if mm-hmm. I hear it, you will be thrown out and that's yeah. going to be the end of the story. And yeah. I've seen it just right mm-hmm. in my face. I mean, you should, somebody yeah. didn't say anything bad to me, but they said something um, that was, uh, I think maybe a little bit racially charged. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just overheard it and stopped the whole class and was like, this is not going to happen here. Yeah. You need to leave right now. Yeah. And you need to go speak to your counselor and get another class. Cause mm-hmm. I won't teach you anymore. And it's, yeah. I think it, it really does start from the top and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I say that about a lot of things in life, yeah. and I, uh-huh. I think Parkview did a really great job, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, as far as um, really ensuring that this was going to be a very accepting um, place for all people, and you don't have to worry about anything. You can be who you are here, mm-hmm. and everybody was you know, very accepting of it. I I personally love my high school career. A lot of yeah. people hated their high school time. A lot of people will say that, yeah. I personally yeah. loved it because, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was a time that, I mean, I made a lot of still lifelong friends that I'm still friends with today. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for every single one of those people, you know? That's the most important thing. Yeah. So you go to uh, Conway. Was there any other college? Did you want to stay closer to home or what, as far as UCA goes? Well, um, I guess... Really, the big thing uh, and the big draw with that is that UCA um, was giving me the most scholarships. <laughs> um, okay, so Throwing more money at you. <laughs> anybody, anybody who knows me knows yeah. I'm not like the brightest crown in the box mm-hmm. when it comes to mm-hmm. academics, mm-hmm. and I'm I know that, and that's fine. Um, okay. My yeah. ACT score was not going to get me scholarships, <laughs> yeah. and so mm-hmm. um, I had to rely on my music heavily for that. Gotcha. And UCA was the one that was saying, "Hey, you can go here for free. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get your entire college degree." for free if you come here and play in the symphony and you know you get a degree and in fact actually that wasn't one of the first things they said that I didn't even have to major in music I just had to take a certain amount of music classes and then I ended up uh, after you know a year of indecisiveness um, and wasting yeah. money yeah <laughs> I right, finally, right. <laughs> I finally got my head on straight and became yeah. a music major then mm-hmm. so but um, as far as staying close to home um, I, I don't know what I always had a feeling back then that I wanted to get out of Arkansas. I wanted to get away from Arkansas and I had to get out. And so you've just been here so many years. Yeah, I've been here my whole life. Whole life. And, and I had experienced something new. I've gone to other places. I've yeah. gone to yeah. Europe. I've gone to Asia. Uh-huh. I've seen the world and I wanted to see more of it, you know? So um, that was a big, big passion of mine. Um, and so, yeah, UCA was not going to do that for me, which was kind of a drawback. Right. But at the same time, um, I had really close friends from high school that were going on to college at UCA. And so it was almost like a comfort net. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I wasn't all by myself in this brand new college world. You know, no, I had some of my closest friends right there with me. And so we really supported each other and, um, you know, made it a better experience, you know. Take us through, uh, back with just a tiny little bit, mm-hmm. Europe and Asia, uh, how did that come about? Because, uh, man, I just, and I know Dennis Hoover, he's been on the podcast, and I know he'd been over to, I believe, uh, Amsterdam and, and that Europe excursion. Yeah. yeah. How did that come about So with with me, back to uh, one of my favorite teachers, Jennifer Lusk, uh-huh. my German teacher, uh-huh. um, she did a German exchange with a high school in southern Bavaria in the Alps. 
um, and she and this guy named Andy Sherville, um, they um, did this exchange for us. So um, it, it was a requirement for that school for mm-hmm. them to have to do some sort of foreign exchange, and it was a language exchange. Okay. Um, and so for the people who were doing English, they came to Arkansas. So for the month of April of my sophomore year at Parkview, um, I had a German exchange student that I hosted, um, and he pretty much followed me around everywhere and yeah. learned about American life, which <laughs> the poor guy, I mean, his southern accents were really difficult for him. Probably so. severely <laughs> thick. And he's probably like, oh. I kind of ah. had to help him a little bit, but yeah. you know, I mean, it was, he was spoke English way better than I spoke German. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and then that summer, um, I went to Germany. Um, so that was 2001, uh, spent a month there um, and just pretty much learned about the culture, learned how it was to be in another country. Um, we ended up traveling to Austria and Italy while we were there. So um, got to experience more of Europe. And then mm-hmm. um, I ended up doing the exact same exchange again two years later. Um, and I went back to Germany again um, and spent time with friends and went traveling more and saw a lot of different castles and different, um, you know, Mozart's birth house and things like that. I mean, it was oh, just wow. a lot of really cool things that I got to experience. And then um, later at UCA, um, it was they were starting a Chinese exchange okay. um, with UCA, which I believe is still happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were part of the first like test programs of it so um, we had Chinese exchange students come over and spend the whole year Mm -hmm. um, with us and then we ended up going for one month um, to a city called Fuzhou in the Fujian province which is uh, kind of southeast China Um, and we ended up playing with the uh, provincial symphony um, that's their pro- a province there is similar to a state here so it was like we were playing with kind of similar to the Arkansas Symphony um, we were guests playing with their provincial orchestra Very there cool. so we ended up um, we none of us knew Mandarin <laughs> none of people none of those people really knew English and so yeah. um, it, we didn't really talk a lot but I think the really special thing about that trip um, that I learned is that um, I could still, in a really emotional part of a piece mm-hmm. of music that we're playing, I could look over to my stand partner and she would look back to me and we would both have that that same look, that same emotion in our eyes and that mm-hmm. same feeling um, inside. And uh, I learned then that really music is a universal language and that mm-hmm. if you can play music or even listen to music, you can share a commonality or a common bond uh, with somebody, even though you can't speak a, a word to them <laughs> yeah, at yeah. all, um, but uh-huh. you can definitely share emotions and share um, experiences with um, people. So um, China was an amazing experience. I went to Shanghai and Beijing as well and got to see a lot of different crazy things. Um, and it was the, the entire experience was just, it was amazing. It was crazy. Um, and it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Some, some of you always remember. Oh, definitely. Um, so you finished UCA. I always ask our guests, like what was on the horizon next? Uh, I know it's the oh. real world. Uh, do I, do I go back and maybe get my master's? Some people have stated they've done that. Yeah. What was next for you? I, um, I applied to graduate schools. Okay. Um, and I got accepted into one, but they weren't giving me any money. <laughs> and so I was going to try for conducting. Um, and they, um, yeah, they, they said they liked my audition tape and everything, but they, uh, had, I, I think I applied a little late and that all the money had ran out at that point. Oh, wow. Um, and so I was, um, really hesitant to be in that much debt coming straight yeah. out of school with no even job prospect on the horizon. So, um, I 
essentially I continued to work at Dillard's, which I had worked through all through college, yeah. um, just okay. to pay bills and things like there that. But, um, and yeah, I ended up continuing with them. And then I pretty much thought I was like, well, maybe I should try this retail thing for a little bit. And at that point, um, I went to my store manager and asked him like, Hey, do you think I could get promoted or what mm-hmm. do I need to do to get promoted? Uh-huh. And so, um, I, he gave me a couple things to work on and mm-hmm. I did. And then, um, they offered a position down in Dallas, um, to be a, a manager with them, um, at a store called Shops of Willow Bend, which is in far North Dallas. Um, is that I'm, North Park Mall? Well, is then, it? uh, six months after okay. Willow Bend, I got promoted to North Park, okay. which is the bigger mall. Okay. Um, yeah. and yeah, that's. Um, that was an experience in its own because <laughs> I, uh, uh-huh. I guess you would say that's kind of like the big, big dogs, the real world of retail mm-hmm. is that um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different, you know, stores that you have to compete with to try to get money uh, there. And so it's, um, it presented a lot of challenges. I learned, I grew a lot from it. Um, and actually because of North Park and the way I was able to build my resume from there, that ended up helping me get a job in Hawaii and being able to be a manager for Macy's for so many years out in Hawaii. So without my experience at North Park, which wasn't the best experience in the world, I won't lie. It was learning. It was, it was challenging and yeah. it was learning, yeah. a very big learning experience. But without that, I would have not been able to do what I did in Hawaii. So That's incredible. And we came out to visit and then, oh, you guys are going to Hawaii. And I think I'm saying Billy got a he got a call. Understand? Yeah, um, I think with um, with Hawaii, he um, he got a call from one of his friends yep. saying, "Hey, um, if you can help us take care of the yard and help us take care of the inside of the house, I'll let you live there uh, for free there you for go. six yep. months or so." <laughs> and right. at the time when we moved out there, we were, it was just going to be a very abbreviated six month thing. And we were going to move back somewhere. So, okay, I didn't know that. It wasn't yeah. a longevity type of deal. No, so it, was, it was, the okay. whole time was going to be a short deal. It was going to be okay. six months and we're done. Uh-huh. Let's yeah, go. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. And so, um, obviously, in Hawaii, if you've ever been there, it's extremely expensive. Yeah. And the little savings that we did have depleted really quickly. <laughs> and so, yeah. we um, had to get jobs quick. Even, oh, wow. we barely made it, I mean, a month, a month and a half. And we had we we had to get jobs quick, you know. So um, that's why um, I got a job at Macy's, and I ended up getting, I guess, promoted with them about four times within six months, and then I became a manager from that point forward. Um, and that was kind of our bread and butter, if you will. Um, I didn't really start playing music out there yet because I didn't bring my cello out there, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know anybody. But um, there was a community orchestra um, called the Kona Chamber Orchestra. Um, or I guess the Chamber Orchestra of Kona, Cook is what mm-hmm. they abbreviated it as. Um, they, um, I just asked, hey, can I sit down and play with you guys? I'd like to play. Um, and then from that orchestra, that was the reason how I was able to really take my music career there and take really take off. Um, they invited me to play in the more premier orchestra um, there without an audition, which was really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. then I started getting wedding gigs almost, I mean, it was almost <laughs> weekly that I was playing at Four Seasons or the Hilton or Sheridan or something, you know, it was always something. And then um, symphony performances, and then I started teaching cello lessons too. So mm-hmm. um, it really, it kind of took off quickly out there. So there's not a lot of string musicians on the big island of Hawaii. Okay. Um, so it, it was kind of a, I don't want to say a, a big fish, small pond syndrome, uh-huh. but compared to Dallas where yeah. I was a tiny minnow in the Pacific Ocean, there, right. okay. Hawaii was opposite. You know, yeah. there weren't many cellists. So, I mean, I really ended up getting a lot of the gigs, a lot of the students and yeah, it was, 
It was awesome. I, I don't get me wrong. I loved it. <laughs> and sticking with Hawaii here, uh, and I remember it was a crazy thing because and I fan out celebrities. I remember you told me Avril Levine. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. heard she was there. Just I didn't even celebrities know celebrities on the island. <laughs> I didn't even times. know. I all I was told uh-huh. for that wedding was it's going to be at Four Seasons. We need you there at five o'clock, and the dress uh-huh. code is all white. You okay. have to wear all white. White right. belt, white shoes, white slacks, button-down white. So did you everything. have all that? Oh, no. I had to go buy <laughs> white shoes. I had to go like buy some linen white pants. I mean, Jeez. I wear white pants. Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, who does that? <laughs> and so, um, and yeah. I realized um, when I was there, I was like, there seems to be a lot of people crowding around this wedding that are not invited. They're all just like watching it. Okay. And I just found that kind of odd that I was like, oh, this is, okay, this yeah. is interesting, but... Okay, whatever. I just kind of played the gig, and then um, it was actually until the next day, um, a friend of mine that worked at Macy's, who also worked in the events office at uh, Four Seasons, asked me, he was like, did you see Avril Lavigne? Did you see her? And I was like, wait, what? She was there? Yeah, she was one of the attendees. You don't see the lady with the really big glasses? And I was like, oh, Oh. I do remember a lady with really big glasses, and she kind of had like a little entourage around her, Uh but I just thought it was like... One of the cool girls or something, yeah. you know, but yeah. apparently that was Avril Lavigne. I'm like, oh, okay, she was there. Um, unbeknownst, that's cool. <laughs> She's here. Um, I guess. I mean, it was also, I mean, Major League Baseball players. Um, right. I mean, different uh-huh. other TV celebrities. I mean, it was just it was. I, mean, I was I was never told about it, and I yeah. think that's the way they prefer it. Yeah. Uh, when they land on the island, they they want to be on vacation. They don't want to you know sign autographs all the mm-hmm. time. So they, it's right. very hush hush. Um, and even when like Justin Bieber would come out to the island, uh, it would always get leaked onto social media, so and then it was true. The entire island would go crazy trying to find him, and then they would finally find him, spot him in Hilo. And then the whole island's worth of little teeny bopper girls would go over to Hilo and try to find them. So, I mean, I, I could completely understand how they want their, you know, privacy while they're on yeah. vacation, you know, because that's what happens. Everybody goes crazy, even right. out there, you know. Exactly. So, I, I'm sure the food, impeccable. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of... Uh, seafood was amazing. Seafood, okay. Sushi was amazing. By far the best sushi I've ever had Freshest, the best, of course. I'm sure you mainland and... Well, I mean, it know. came right out of the ocean. Ocean, and then yeah. And went yeah. straight to the <clears throat> kitchen, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was literally as fresh as you could get. Okay. I mean, it was every type of food you could get, too. But um, that wasn't all the time that we would eat that, yeah. you know? Um, they call it uh, local grinds uh-huh. um, out there. So, it's uh, pretty much... Uh, rice, mac salad, or potato salad, and then some sort mm. of protein. Okay. So my personal favorite was chicken katsu. Um, it's yep. pretty much deep fried chicken, and they had That's this like kind of sweet sauce uh, uh-huh. that you would dip it into. Uh, take a bite of that with some mac salad and rice. Oh, mm. it was so good. They call it so ono. Yeah, ono is a so way they say good uh, out there. It was really yeah. good. But it was, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, the luau type food that a lot of people think mm. is like the main thing that everybody yeah. eats no yeah. that's really what white people eat at luau's and at the hotels and stuff <laughs> yeah. yes i mean you do eat that some mm-hmm. um at big parties and special occasions but that's not like a weekly thing mm-hmm. at all you know I mean, yeah but it was it was it was amazing it was great i learned hawaii really taught me a lot about um respecting people respecting lands mm-hmm. um it also taught me a lot about how um, our education system here in Arkansas and on the mainland taught us incorrectly. They uh-huh. really actually taught the wrong stuff. They call it the annexation of Hawaii when, what? no, it wasn't annexed. It was it was uh-huh. taken. 
from them. And so these are yeah. these are people that were living a life, um, and they, they had a monarchy, and they had kings and queens. And um, one day in the late 1800s, the U.S. government sent uh, infiltrators in to overthrow the monarchy, and they took the queen off her throne and installed democracy, which uh, they don't teach that in our schools here. They yeah, teach, no you know, okay. it was the annexation, so we could have a strategic place in the Pacific Ocean mm-hmm. um, because Japan and other places were becoming a bigger threat. Um, and it was a, if you think about it, it's a perfect place for mm-hmm. a country to oh, have. Oh, yeah, sure, um, sure. But you don't really end up thinking about the indigenous people that live there mm-hmm. and all the suffering and the pain that they went through. Um, and I think once you live out there for many years, you really start to understand that, yeah, the white man did a lot of harm out there. Sure, they did a lot of great things too, mm-hmm. but they did so much out there that the local Hawaiian population is not really happy about. <laughs> I remember you were telling us about that. I mean, it's just like outside people coming in, specifically mm-hmm. Caucasian yeah. people, and I, I, I would have never thought about that in a million years. Well, I know? mean, if you think about it, I mean, I'm a white Caucasian man too, uh-huh. and right. I was yeah. one of those people mm-hmm. that came in, and I ended up with a management job at Macy's when there's people, right. local people out there that have lived their whole life trying to get that job. And I come marching in and took that from them in six months. So, I mean, I was even a part of that problem, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you start getting accepted on the island from the local people and stuff once they learn where your true heart is, where your true intents of your heart are. And so mm-hmm. if you really, uh, if you respect people for who they are, if you respect the land and you respect, they call it respect the aina, mm-hmm. um, and you 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 don't trash things after you leave them and you don't throw your litter on the ground all That's over right. the place and things. And mm-hmm. um, if you really respect that and respect the people, then the people really start respecting you back. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean I will ever be like a, like a local Hawaiian or anything? No. It, right. it, just because you live there doesn't make you yeah. Hawaiian. Hawaiian is, is an ethnicity. It's a, it's a, it's a blood type. It's a person, you know, yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, a white person in Hawaii will never be called a Hawaiian. They're, they're called a local Haole. And so okay, that's, yeah. and, and Haole uh-huh. mean it's, it's their term for white people. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and that's, officially means breathless soulless person wow so if you think about that's what they're calling white tourism or white tourists and white people in general a breathless soulless person but if you really understand the root cause and why and where that came from Mm -hmm. i think you would begin to call your call yourself that you know you would call or these people who did that um you would probably call them that too and it makes complete sense you know um but yeah, I, enough about that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, Hawaii was an amazing place. Yeah. I learned uh-huh. so much more than just, uh-huh. oh, this is a, an island out here in the Pacific. I mean, right. I learned what an earthquake felt like. I mean, a 6.9 okay. magnitude earthquake. And, and volcanoes erupted while I you saw the I volcano remember. erupting. Okay. Okay. I mean, literally okay. in front of my eyes, I yeah. walked on lava that had been there for uh-huh. maybe an hour and it burned the soles off my shoes. I mean, Jeez, I, I mean, <laughs> I've seen, I've literally seen all that. And I mean, yeah. and it's, it was an amazing experience that mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll never forget for the mm-hmm. rest of my life, you know, but no joke. Earthquakes are no fun. This white boy does not like earthquakes <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's awful. It's it Man. So fast forward a little bit. COVID hits. COVID, um, yeah. I happen to get on Facebook, see, see your message on there. I, I'm really static. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're going to come back. Man, how how was that? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we know how it goes for, for you, your perspective. Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, well, especially COVID um, really hit the islands and it mm-hmm. rocked the islands big time and it they shut everything down. Yeah, um, and so true. I ended up getting furloughed from Macy's mm-hmm. and then I ended up getting let go, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. I understand yeah. why yeah. it happened and everything. And I was kind of thankful it gave me the opportunity to move back, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, they took it very seriously out there. Um, the quarantine was very serious. Um, they wanted you to stay at your house for two weeks if you were exposed or even if mm-hmm. you went to the mainland at mm-hmm. all. Uh, they wanted you to stay at your home, um, and yeah, it was it was crazy. But I ended up moving back, and that gave me, uh, I guess, all the stimulus package money and also the unemployment benefits money. Right, <laughs> all that stuff ended up helping me pay uh, all the debt off, and we were able to move back and be almost debt free by the time we landed back here in Arkansas, which really set us up for, mm-hmm. um, I guess, a success. I don't know. I, I guess it it just helped us uh, not have to worry too much when we got back back here you know so but um yeah covid was serious out there and um if you think about it there's a whole island and if you draw a line through the big island of hawaii from west to Mm -hmm. east Mm -hmm. the whole southern half of the island only had two ventilators and so yeah if we were worried that yeah what if there's a big outbreak and then Mm -hmm. you're sitting in the hallway of the hospital and you are dying because you don't have the medical equipment Um, and so it's just it's part of the infrastructure and part of um, Hawaii, they just don't really have that much a- access out there. Exact same thing if you were to be shoved out here in the middle of the country of Arkansas. I mean, if you're out in, I don't know, Pope County, Arkansas, or I guess that's Russellville. Um, yeah, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, um, yeah, mm-hmm. your hospital is probably not going to be that well equipped to take care of a major problem. So, yeah, you mm-hmm. get sent to Little Rock and you get medevac to Little Rock. Same mm-hmm. there in Hawaii, you, you would get sent to Oahu. Um, and that's where their main medical facilities were. It's just a couple islands away, and you had to fly. So, yeah, it's different. Man, I kind of uh, transition here. Last kind of two topics, kind of uh, going discussion on. Um, man, starting off Simone Biles, um, and I'm, I'm definitely going to cover on the pre-hype show there. Mental health. Have you dealt with it? If so, kind of tell us a little bit about it. And mm-hmm. if not, okay. I mean, and people are just throwing stones left and right, as we know, social media. Right. Man, your, your thoughts on that? Um, yes, I have dealt with mental mm-hmm. mental illness and mental mm-hmm. health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of me now as a person is that I have learned how to cope and how to deal with those type yeah. of stressors and those issues. Yeah. Now, granted... My issues and my that was nowhere near <laughs> close to Simone Biles yeah, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But um, I think that still to that to that is that I mean we all are dealing with something inside mm-hmm. and we're all trying to kind of work through something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really can't judge a book by its cover. But right. um, I remember when I was younger in college, um, my mom went through a lot of issues with mental health, um, and I was. I guess one of the only people that she could really count on and trust, um, but that also placed a lot of stress on me. Um, and I was the first time I was ever working full time. I had a full schedule of eighteen hours at uh, UCA, mm-hmm. um, and I was living by myself. I mean, I was going through a lot, and my body with stress. Um, it doesn't like stress so much. Yeah, um, right. And literally, my hair yeah. started falling out on my head. I had stripes of litter baldness. Wow. smooth as a baby's butt on my head and uh-huh. there was full on stripes that were just falling out um, mm-hmm. and then I ended up getting shingles uh, when I was 21 years old 
Um, and I had full blown blister breakout on my left leg. Um, and so I had to learn, um, with the help of a doctor that, you know, I, I don't like taking pills and I don't like being medicated. I know there's sometimes you have to, but yeah, I'm, I personally wanted to work through it. And so, um, he helped me kind of work through it and make sure that I didn't really, really own and take the stress deeply, um, is that I had to let things kind of roll and I had to let things kind of fall off and not, I didn't, I didn't worry about it as much. Um, so I think if it weren't for that, I don't know if I would have gotten through like my mother's passing, my father's mm-hmm. passing, my, both my grandparents passing in the past 10 years. Yeah. I mean, all of that hit in the last 10 years and I'm, I'm able to kind of push push forward because I know what my body will do and it, it, it will shut down and only yeah. bad things will happen um, if you don't let it kind of roll or if you don't mm-hmm. find a way to work through it you know mm-hmm. um, but same thing with like for instance some Biles I think mm-hmm. really I think she I, I, I applaud her I think mm-hmm. that really um, it takes a lot of courage to first admit just yeah. even say the <laughs> yeah. words that I have a problem. Yeah. I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, those two sentences I think are so powerful. Um, and I think that um, a lot of people can learn from that. Not just people struggling with mental illness, but I think also the people who are applying the pressure on these young athletes. Or it can be young musicians or, I mean, anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I think they also need to learn, too, that everybody is different and everybody is human. And just because somebody is going through a struggle doesn't mean we have to give up on that person. In fact, to me, should be the other way around. We should really surround that person with love and ask, like, what can we do to make you to help you? What can we do to make things better for you? You know, Um, so to me, I think she's really, I think, teaching a lot more than just how amazing of an athlete she is. Right. You see videos of her doing stuff (laughs) and it's just your mouth drops because it is Uh literally amazing. Nobody else on the planet has ever done that. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, just the uh, the fact that they wouldn't allow her to do certain things at the Olympics because it's just unobtainable for other people to do. Uh That's not fair either. That's not fair at all. I mean, it's, I mean, to me, she should be allowed to do that and mm-hmm. be scored way above because regardless. you know what? It's the Olympics. These are the best people on the planet. And regardless mm-hmm. of what nationality or mm-hmm. um, ethnicity you are, you're the best on the planet. Show it. Show yeah. us yeah. what you can do, you know? That's and then right. let all of the other gymnasts and all the other little girls on the planet look mm-hmm. up to that and aim for something that is amazingly huge, you know? I mean, she she is one, I think, that I, I think she's teaching more than more than we will ever really know right now. And I think um, I, I, I look forward to really seeing kind of where she takes that, you know, and how she's going to end up changing the entire industry, mm-hmm. you know. I yeah. think it's awesome. I mean, yeah. I really do. I support her 100%, you know. And this this last part, and, and I've, toward the last of e, end of season one, kind of touched on it and whatnot, and me and a guy named, his name is Ryan, too. He does... Uh, I'm trying to think it's like line media production season mm. kind of filming. Man, we talk about jobs and we yeah. were talking about that earlier. Um, I don't know. I guess it's working a little bit. People are not protesting with signs. Right. They're 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 leaving jobs. And I know with, with COVID, as you attest to earlier, some people are getting laid off, furloughed, or whatever. Man, what is it gonna take? And I guess it's I mean, people are speaking silently in a way, like we're going to quit. We're getting extra on po- making more than we probably would have at some of these, even I'll say fast food that yeah. just comes about 600. Now it's been knocked back to 300. Right. 
What's your take on that? I mean, and like I was saying, there are 42,000 just live in Arkansas. Yeah. They just let you know. People can Google how much it is it takes to live in the state. Right. Right. I mean, it's to me, it's going to take, it's, it's going to take a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. I think just in general, people are, uh, you're worth something. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you, how can I say this? I, I think that especially with, certain jobs I understand certain jobs are only going to pay certain amounts right but I think that minimum threshold uh, especially dealing with inflation um, that's happened over the last 20 years or so um, and jobs haven't really followed that inflation um, so I think if it got a little bit closer to that I think everybody would be better yeah. um, now where obviously is that money going to come from um, yeah, it can come from the top. <laughs> yeah. CEOs, I don't think, really need to be making you know hundreds of millions of dollars every single year um, when their employees underneath them are barely making enough to feed their family of four. Um, and so I, I think there's uh, a true uh, issue with just that. Um, I think also the American people, once everybody is really making more, I think also things everything needs to cost more so we can pay for it as well i would i'm personally willing to spend more money at walmart if that means there are people actually taking groceries out of my basket and scanning them for me i don't personally like taking 300 dollars worth of groceries to the self-checkout i i hate it actually (laughs) i would much rather deal with somebody Uh and have them do it for me and then i can bag it or whatever but um i mean it's just I think that the way society is going right now is that they're they're wanting fast, easy, quick, um, and I think the internet's giving a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and I I do love it, but at the same time, that's also still taking jobs from people. Is mm-hmm. that I mean, and I'm I'm one to also buy stuff at Amazon. Right. <laughs> doesn't buy stuff at Amazon, but uh-huh. um, that is not really helping the big box stores. It's not really helping the people who depend every single week on that paycheck who work inside those stores that are seeing less traffic, less people, less footsteps. I mean, I've been in retail for long enough before even the recession of 2007 and eight. That's right. Um, and yeah. I remember how busy those days were. Mm-hmm. It was all the time you were busy. And ever since pretty much that recession, all the way through to now, it's it never picked back up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I, there's I think going to be a shift. I hope <laughs> yeah. as far as people buying some things online, but also they're buying locally. They're buying right there um, in their hometown. They're supporting uh, local businesses. It can even be a big corporation. Um, but th- even if you still go into that big corporation's local store, mm-hmm. you're still supporting that local store. You're still supporting those people who work inside that local store. You know, so I think um, until that changes, and really, let's be honest, until COVID kind of goes away, <laughs> and hopefully people get vaccinated, right. <laughs> um, that really it will. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's going to really change in the near near future. Hopefully, maybe five ten years though. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, because we try to support. We're huge proponents of like, you know, hey, we're supporting local business, me and me mm-hmm. and Jen, you know, and, you know, Lost 40. And, and certain businesses are now starting to gain notoriety, you yeah. know, even just <laughs> bars, <Yeah. laughs> these breweries. I mean, they're coming in, in Little Rock and probably else place, man. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm sure you guys do support local businesses. Oh, with definitely. Like you just attested to. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. well, even in Hawaii, I mean, think about it. Yeah. You know, we've all heard of <laughs> Kona Brewing Company. Okay. Yeah. We've all seen those beers uh-huh. and we've all seen those commercials. Well, mm-hmm. when we first moved out there, 
there was not Kona brewing beer here on the mainland, not that much at least. Okay. Um, and then we started going to that brewery, which is right there in Kona, <clears throat> and we started drinking that beer and stuff. And yeah, I mean, it yeah. all of a sudden started appearing out all mm-hmm. over the place, which mm-hmm. I mean, I think is awesome, you know. But yeah. I think it really takes each and every one of us to really go into these establishments and really support them. And it can even be supporting them in multiple different ways, buying mm-hmm. their different uh, T-shirts and helping, you know, get the exposure out on the streets. I mean, it could be yeah. many different ways you can do that, you know. Um, but I think it really will take us actually getting into those places mm-hmm. and supporting them, you know. Man, important. Wrap it up here, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think has got to change? I know we know what happened last summer, yeah. the, the protesting and all that, man, and Again, huge. The podcast kind of I've started, you know, built around the community. Yeah. You know, like you were testing to in Hawaii, man, community coming together. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what has it got to take, I guess, in your opinion? I guess some of the answers are pretty interconnected, about the same. Yeah. You know, what has it got to take for us to come together? Because I just don't see, I mean, I know we're supportive of everybody, especially LGBTQ plus A community and sure. all that. I mean, what else? I don't know what it's going to Well, I mean, and I think there's, I mean, a lot of it too is that, I mean, this is something that Mm -hmm. I kind of realized last summer during all of like the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff is that Mm -hmm. I really kind of took a step back and I was just like, Uh yeah, what is white privilege? Uh Uh-huh. Am I privileged? And I sat there and thought about it and I'm like, hell yes, I'm privileged. Uh I mean, and I could even think right now of times that I have used white privilege to to my advantage yeah and i mean granted do do i feel bad about it a little bit yeah yeah um especially when you see things like you know george floyd what happened mm-hmm. last year and mm-hmm. brianna taylor i mean there's so many mm-hmm. different instances mm-hmm. that i mean have happened that i think are really awful but i think number one i think really when it comes to the caucasian community we all need to take a step back and really think about what what is white privilege and how am I benefiting from it, and how am I, um, you know, taking that white privilege and running with it, you know? And yeah. maybe we should really first realize that, um, which I thought about, and I really kind of sat there and said, yes, this is what it is, you know? So um, I think owning it, and then also, um, I think really exposing other people to my own privilege. I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is really other Caucasian people mm-hmm. and ha- and mm-hmm. letting them hear my voice and how I have white privilege hopefully will help them understand it. And then also that'll help them understand how, yeah, there's a lot of inequalities in, um, in society and that being how um, systemic racism really does, is really a major problem and is really mm-hmm. a major thing um, in the United States. And how can we really get rid of it and squash it, you know? And I think it's gonna take each and every one of us I mean, being African-American community mm-hmm. and the Caucasian mm-hmm. community both mm-hmm. need to come together and really realize that and really kind of try to develop some sort of answers mm-hmm. and try to change how it is in society in general. But um, I think a lot of that stems from my upbringing and a lot of that stems from Parkview. And yeah. Parkview yeah. being one of those places that you accept literally everybody mm-hmm. and you don't, it doesn't matter what their skin color is, who they like or dislike. I mean, you accept that person for who they are. And I think if you, everybody would take that into society and take that into their adulthood and their life, um, I think the, the world would be a happier, better place, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and 
that's what I personally try to surround myself with are people who yeah. are accepting people who are, um, who, who don't really, it's not that we don't care what the skin color is because we, we still need to care mm-hmm. about that right, stuff right, too. Right. Um, but it's not, we're not going to have ill feelings about it and hopefully we'll even learn from one another and learn that, Hey, you know, the world is actually a pretty awesome place. Let's, mm-hmm. let's really make it even better by, you know, supporting one another. Yeah, you because know? yeah, I, I, and I think I told you guys we had a, a dinner at uh, Lost 40, and I was like, it'll just be the same thing. If it was happening with LGBTQA plus community, yeah. I, I've got an obligation. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I, I've got to protect, you know, especially because I have friends, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh my God, like, hold up, yeah. you know, and it's not right. No. I mean, nobody should be the bully to like kill to whatever right pulse nightclub you know exactly. and i spoke with lewis and, and marcus about Matthew that Shepherd, back in the 90s yeah I mean, like there's, there's a lot of i mean <laughs> yeah the gay community did have a lot of yeah. strife and a lot uh-huh. of uh uh-huh. you know hate mm-hmm. towards uh that community and still does to this day i mean yeah. you can take a look at certain corporations that love to give money to uh, anti-gay and uh, anti-LGBTQ plus uh, communities. And I mean, they, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I mean, but there's, Uh that still even to this day exists and the exact same other side is that, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's still extreme racism everywhere out there for, I mean, who knows what reasoning they have to be that way, but it still exists out there. And I mean, if it still exists, then, um, I think we all have a duty to really try to fight that mm-hmm. and squash it um, any way we can, you know? Yeah. By the way, Popeye's is the Lord's chicken. Just going to throw that yeah, out there. Yeah, I mean, right and, and somebody's grandmama put their foot in there. <laughs> Man, so, thank you for being on. Uh, last words, you know, um, you want to have? Well, Ryan, I appreciate you very much. Um, I appreciate the... Friendship we've had for many, many years now. Since 20, um, 2010, yes, yes. We've been, a, it doesn't seem over like Over a decade. Long. Yes, this has been I mean, awesome. It's, uh, you're not my oldest friend, but you're by far one of my most important. Aww, um, and so I think, you, uh, you. You're, I think the world of you and Jennifer both. Aww. And and thank I'm you to Erica so, Les for bringing, I mean, it's course, almost one yeah. person bringing us the. I mean, I think, I think yeah. the world of all of y'all and um, mm-hmm. I appreciate everything you do for me every man. single day, you know. Awesome, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you so much of for course. being on. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And there it is, another happy hour episode in the books. Thank you again to Michael Cripps for being on the show this week and also supplying the Gentleman Jack whiskey. A few post news and notes here. NFL preseason kicks off tonight on Fox with my Dallas Cowboys going against the six-time Pittsburgh Steelers. We've had a few Super Bowl interactions in the past, so I know that I kind of wet everyone's appetite uh football is now back we're about a month from the college football season right around the corner wow where has the summer gone hope everyone had a great summer i've had a pretty decent one so far maybe try to squeeze in one more little mini trip possibly in the near future so if you haven't been keeping up with the olympics uh, just to round out here on the show the U.S. women's soccer team took on the bronze medal, beating Australia 4-3. to three. Uh, If you didn't know U.S. women, how they got to this point, they lost to our friends from the north, Canada. Uh, were defeated one zip. Um, we haven't lost to Canada in almost 20 years. So that was, you know, that was something. That was interesting. 
I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing that uh, U.S. women uh, took third. Uh, a lot of people definitely thought um, they were going to, you know, win it all. Um, they were on a roll there um, probably the last five, six years. They've been uh, winning uh, the last two World Cups, which I watched, which were awesome. Um, and they, they won some other uh, friendlies in the meantime. But, yeah, uh, it was very interesting. They did uh, uh, get upset by Canada there. But on the upside, U.S. men's basketball team did beat Australia, so they are now in the gold medal match. I'm not sure who they're playing. Um, I want to say France because I believe Slovenia – Lost, they're in the uh, bronze medal match. So yeah, looks like U.S. men's basketball is going to be facing France in the finals. Hey right, guys, appreciate you tuning in for the episode this week. Tune in next week, and we will see you next time. Peace.